Making connections and building relationships is vital in business today. But you're a busy SME owner, striving all hours to make your company a success. When have you got time to go to events full of potentially useful strangers? Technology is your friend. From social media to Skype, tech can help you work the room even when you're not in it. It's also a great way to work the larger crowd, connecting with customers to build brand loyalty and even turning them into brand advocates if you get it really right. How do you do that? Keep listening, as I'm Kate Russell, and this is In Good Company, the show full of SME chat with a slice of tech, brought to you by BT. You're standing at the door, palms sweating as a sea of business attire in muted colours mingles inside. Or you might be the kind of person that marches straight in and zeroes in on the hottest contacts in the room, armed with some witty icebreaker to get you into the circle. Networking events are a bit like Marmite. People either love them or hate them. But I think we can all agree, when you're building and growing your business, they're a must. One study even suggests that playing to win in the networking game and going beyond your usual circle of contacts can lead to an increase in revenue. But you know this. Networking's not new, and every small and medium business owner starts with the best intentions of getting out there and making new contacts. So, you track down your nearest networking event, pop the date in your diary, and something comes up. After all, it's business, right? There's always something to do. And networking? That can always take a backseat to actually doing business. But thinking this way can be very limiting. Meeting the right people can give your business a real boost. So make sure you grab the opportunity, even if you're too busy to go out. That's where tech comes in. From Skype and FaceTime to social media, it's given us plenty of new ways to grow our networks, find new customers and even meet potential new business partners. And in this episode of In Good Company, we're going to find out how to use it to make a good impression with everyone you meet. So, in our quest to see how tech can help us make and keep connections, we've got two SMEs who've been there and done that. I'm joined today by Conquer Spirit founder Rupert Holloway and founder of Amazing Futures, Felicity Sanford. Hello, both of you. Hi. Welcome. And of course, completing our studio lineup is our expert, co-founder of Management Advantage and all-round business guru, Judith Pearl. Hello, Hi. Judith. Hi. Um, thank you so much, all of you, for joining us today. I'm really excited to talk about this because I, I struggle with networking, I'm going to be honest. Um, but let's start with you, Rupert. Um, you're a man who I can really respect <laughs> <laughs> because you've built your business on the foundation of great gin. Yeah, the uh, you, you actually, when you become a gin distiller, you don't struggle in networking situations, actually. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah. it's a you magnetic to turn them career. Down. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Well, Conquer Spirit is four years old now. Um, what's it been like at the centre of it all as you've taken the world's bar by storm um, and how have your responsibilities grown over time yeah absolutely it's um it's been a bit of a mad journey so I used to be a uh, chartered surveyor something again That's quite a leap. it is yeah and and yeah the opposite to in an in a networking environment you know <laughs> yes. people sort of flock oh, you're away a chartered surveyor. <laughs> oh, okay. yeah exactly um so um yeah in in a nutshell came to, came out the other side of that career and thought um yeah, just un unhappy with what, my lot and just thought I need to do my own thing. And so, yeah, it's been a journey from wanting to um, do my own thing, run my own business, um, landing on the idea and then 
growing a team and becoming an employer and all, all of that sort of stuff. So, yeah, it's been a pretty pretty mad sort of, yeah, almost sort of five years since the concept, really. What about the technology you use to connect, you know, perhaps on a more um, focused uh, way? So we yeah, so we're three, three, three and a half, four years in, and the first three years was me everywhere <laughs> <laughs> delivering um you know dr- dropping in around the country around around dorset and also yeah building relationships and um what's great now is that we can either it's a either we're talking about a relationship with um new customers who might be thinking about taking on our brand or maybe an, other brands we're, we're partnering with or whether they work for us like a wholesaler we can have a, a face-to-face conversation through the internet so there's it's which is a much warmer and more personable way of initializing relationships so we're we're building on so where we've done um face to face introductions through through things like Skype um FaceTime we use amazingly we use WhatsApp I, I use WhatsApp in, in in business all the time people are ordering <laughs> ordering gin through WhatsApp organizing events you know it's incredibly sort of deformalization everything's so much more informal um the way business is done it's interesting, Felicity. Do you have the same experience of using um, technology platforms to deliver that face-to-face experience as well? Definitely. I mean, since I've set up Amazing Futures, um, my clients, a lot of them are, are based in London, but I've got I've had clients from all over the country, and including one in France. And so, you can still build up that connection via Skype. I, I actually um, I like Zoom as well. I love the way that you can share your screen. So if I'm working on a document with them or discussing their website, we can just be looking at it both together, and you know, and, and it just feels like a face to face meeting a lot more. Then, so I definitely have embraced these in my business, and it's made a huge difference. And I think it's really helped me um, get going a lot quicker. Because if I had to go to France and, you know, around the country on meetings, it would be a real clog. So both of these small businesses, uh, small and medium businesses, use this technology uh, to in order to what make them more time efficient, give them a greater spread, uh, you know, for less commitment. Is that commonplace in small and medium businesses? Do you think, Judah? The good ones. The good ones. <laughs> or the and successful ones. How many of them ones. are good ones? I mean, is it? Are there? A, is there a big? catch up for a lot of business to do in this respect or or I think a lot of people underestimate well they underestimate networking in general and for that I do have data I won't bore you with it but there is plenty of research which shows that and you mentioned that in your introduction that you know if you network actively you will do better in your career your business will do better etc etc and I think people often think I'll do it tomorrow I haven't got time today I'll do it tomorrow and I think it's not an optional extra. But once you change your mindset and realise that it's important, then you find that, you know, you one finds the time to do what one thinks needs doing. So it's also really important to step out of your business. Mm-hmm. And it's so easy to say, I'm too busy. So I've, I always find that, I, you know, I, I may roll my eyes at something that I've got to do, which is like a networking event, whereas really it's not getting work done, is it? But actually stepping away makes you, you know, lift your head above the parapet and, mm-hmm. and take a breath. For me, one of the worst things about networking is having somebody that you've never met before come up to you and immediately ask you for assistance in some way. Um, you know, for me, it almost feels like a better strategy to be a, a help giver. I absolutely mm-hmm. agree. I mean, I think, me too. you know, if you give, you will get. And I mean, it's what our mothers told us. If you're nice to people, they'll be nice to you. 
And very often in workshops, I'll say, we all know someone, don't we, that only gets in touch when they want something. And usually everybody smiles. Everybody knows that somebody who only takes and never gives. Mm -hmm. So don't be that somebody. Don't be that somebody. And also realise that what, um, what somebody else needs is very often very easy for you to give. It's an introduction. It's a two-minute email. Fred, meet, jo meet Joan. I've suddenly realised you have a lot in common. It's not difficult and it's very valuable. And perhaps a bit of advice on something that you've Absolutely. done successfully. And people love giving advice. That, you know, if, if, if you tend to get asked the same kind of thing, if you have a particular skill set, mm -hmm. um, you, there is this sort of, oh, I get, you know, I want to help you, but I've just said this 10 times this networking event already. Mm -hmm. Is there an argument for perhaps putting content, like I have a blog, I tend to put things that I'm frequently asked, I'll actually write a blog article, put it on my website and say, well, yes. why don't you go there? Because yes. I've written it all out. What other strategies would you say? One of the things I do is say, drop me an email. I'm a bit tired now, I've, you know, I can't really think about it, but I, and most people don't. What they want is an instant response. Mm -hmm. So I sort of weed out the people that aren't really serious That's by saying, drop me an email. If they drop me an email, I'm happy to reply. But if they, if they can't be bothered, why should I be bothered? It's Great. a two-way street. Great. If I love uh, these, these. We're talking old-fashioned values, really, yes, aren't we, in, we a, are. in a, in a, a mm. modern tech mm. environment? How important is it for small and medium businesses, especially those with a physical product, to work closely with brands to get the story of their, their or retailers, rather, to get the story of their brand across when it comes to the first few interactions? Do you think that physical, do you, do you have to do that physically as opposed to you the mean training? You mean get the story across to the retailer? Yes. I would think it, it's easier online, but then there are a lot of retailers, so it becomes more difficult because of time constraints. I mean, the beauty of the internet is you can be one talking to many, mm. whereas face-to-face -face you can, you know, competing retailers are not going to all come to a workshop no. on how to... Or, yeah. And maybe it also depends on how... I don't know how long, how difficult it is to show someone, teach someone how to mix your gin. Mm. I mean, it's not something someone would want to come... Yeah. From from out of town to 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 your offices for a half day workshop. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. So, and the internet then has that wonderful ability of being able to do it quickly and easily. Do you, I mean? Do you find that, that having that sort of personal, even if it is, you know, somewhat contrived, in that you've you know you've written a, an email or a, a digital correspondence in some way, but you do you do some research first and make sure that you're you're actually on point with the goals and the target that you're approaching? Felicity. Uh, yeah, I think I think you do need to know what your audience is and what drives them and what their needs are. So I would always, if I was going to have a digital communication at a certain audience, we search that beforehand. Mm. Well, let's talk about nerves, because I think a lot of people, you know, probably sitting at home thinking, I just get crushed by nerves walking into a room full of strangers or standing in front of a camera on the internet to do a seminar. Um Let's start with you, Rupert. Coping strategies for nerves, have you ever suffered? Oh, yeah, massively. So when I was um, back in my old career as a chartered surveyor, I was, yeah, I would never have stood up in front of a crowd of people it would have, because it wasn't, I was in a forced environment. I wasn't actually doing what I really believed exactly in. Exactly the same for me, yeah. Um, and I used to get terribly embarrassed and, and shy away from confrontation and stuff like that. Whereas now I'm, I feel like I'm in my element. So I feel like 
obviously I'm not an authority in the sense that I know everything, but I'm an authority in the sense that I'm just my brand. And it's, it's what I'm, people ask me questions about what I know. And, and if I don't, and if I don't it, know about it, I'm not, no one's going to, you know, no one's really going to care. So it's about really, I think that's a confidence in yourself and what you're talking about and not, and, and, but I suppose that's a bit more of a general thing than a tactic to, uh, than, to beat nerves. And uh, Felicity, I mean, there's the old adage of um, if you know if you're on stage feeling nervous, imagine the audience naked. Does that does that work for you? It's not a technique that I personally <laughs> use. It depends the audience. Maybe you know, it might be. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, well, I don't know. I mean, are we talking about a networking event or actually speaking? They're two quite different things, aren't they? I mean, we're going back to networking. I think it's just really important to to realise that other people will be feeling the same, um, and that. You, you you need to sort of empathise with people and just sort of think the likelihood is you're not actually the most nervous person in that room. There's probably someone that has social anxiety or something like that and um, you you can sort of scan the room to sort of try and see people that are in that situation and try and talk to them and that will put you at ease. But I think the key to it is to always remember that you need to be interested in people and going back to authenticity, people will soon realise if you're just sort of faking it there is absolutely nothing worse than being at a networking event and you're talking to someone and they're looking over your shoulder <laughs> for the next <laughs> most important person to come into the room. They've decided that you're not, you know, their their target and you're wasting their time because you never know who you're talking to and who they know and what their network is. So it's it's really important to to be there for genuine reasons and not just to sell. So that's in in physical. I think that helps with nerves as well. For physical or online, it's the same. If you're if you're engaging in a community group on social media, you you need to be helpful and to to um, empathise with people, and and to just sort of shine through as as real uh, and not just there to to sell to people and to to look for the most important connections and you know and ignore everyone else. So Felicity, and you're obviously somebody who knows all about making those connections online. Um, you started a Facebook community group that now has around 20,000 members? Just under 20,000, yes. How did that come about? So it started for two reasons, really. I'd moved to um, a different area within my borough of London, and um, I really missed the, the local community group we'd had before. I found it really useful on a consumer level for finding information and tips on, you know, best restaurants to, to you know, who's a good plumber to use. And um, the other reason being that I was just in the process of buying a franchise for a nanny agency and I'd already sort of sussed out local print prices for advertising and, and other local groups that were quite strict about advertising by, by small businesses. And I found that quite frustrating. And I really wanted to sort of help support other local businesses, particularly businesses in the independent retail and restaurant trade, which can be a real struggle. So I set it up starting off by just adding uh, local friends um, and then went into local businesses and told them about the group and got them to join. Some of them were a bit sceptical at first, but it grew. By the end of the first year, we had just under 2,000 members and it's grown from there on in because by word of mouth. We now count amongst our members virtually all the borough MPs and councillors as well as the local newspaper reporters. So, um, Felicity, you've clearly been hugely successful uh, in setting up your groups and, and finding your audience. If anybody wanted to try and emulate that for their own business or their own interest area, um, any suggestions, any good tools, how, any advice for people in that position? 
So there are tools, a lot of free search tools that you can use that will um, recommend um, alternative search terms if you, if you put in a search term and that will build up an idea of what your target audience is, is looking for. But yeah, basically all the social media platforms have very strong search engines built within themselves. So, And I've seen great tools as well that allow you to search on keyword but also geographical area. So for example, if you were a plumber yeah. looking for work, you could search for people talking about flooded bathrooms within a 10 mile radius of your postcode as a very clunky example. But there, there I guess tools like that would be useful in terms of building uh, building a, a geo-located group as well. Yeah, I mean, I think both Google and social media, particularly Facebook, tends to have that sort of inbuilt geographical feature. So it will try and bring up like local things that are local to you. And But otherwise, you could just sort of say law, law businesses in... Woking or something like that, and you know, and see what comes up. The other thing to do is just to ask people in the industry what they do, ask around, sort of more word of mouth approach of doing it. Um, have a look at networking groups, search for networking groups. Often they will have an, a, a sort of affiliated group that might be useful. Um, if you want to set up your own community group, you could you can promote it in other groups, but you've got to be really careful how you approach that. Particularly, I was going to say, what are the ethics? Because you can't just bowl into somebody else's competing group and say, no, hey, everybody. Exactly. People do, it's surprising, but (laughs) it's a really, really poor um, business etiquette, obviously. Um, It depends on the type of group. So say you want to set up a small niche business networking group. There's nothing wrong, I don't think, with promoting that in a large community group, which suits all purposes. I think it's generally polite to ask the admins if they mind. A lot of groups ban promoting other groups on there. They don't like it at all. Um, I don't have an issue at all in my community group of people promoting their golf lovers group or, you know, their their swim club members group or something like that. I think, you know, that's just helping the community. So community groups tend to be more supportive about this, but you should definitely, um, A, ask the admins and B, be on the group, not just to promote yourself. It goes back to that thing, not just broadcasting, not just spamming. If you see people sort of do a search for, say, you're you're coming up with a golf lovers community group, you just do a search for golf or a key search term within that Facebook group. It will come up with posts that have appeared on that, and you can you can respond and you know reply in a comment, and then that's looking more helpful rather than just you know advertising your group blatantly. Rupert, what about you for the, the gin lovers? How do you find gin lovers we other just, than coming to my front well, door? Well, we just assume they're everywhere, which is a good start. <laughs> um, yeah. And um, so we kind of just work to geographical locations and where we were at the moment we're trying to, where we feel like we've got a really good um, hold on the south coast and Dorset and um, Devon and out towards Cornwall. And we're also growing our stockists in, say, Waitrose. We've gone into the good example. We've gone into their Salisbury store. Um, so we're trying to let people in Salisbury know that we're in in stocks in their local Waitrose. So it's a case of um, simply just making a concentration of, uh, so focusing, making sure our Facebook posts are being seen in that area by people of a certain uh, um, age range, gender. Although we try not to sort of separate that, um, rather than find, rather than hunting out a, a people who are specifically into gin, it's really just a kind of people within a certain area. For us at the moment, um, it's much more sort of general as we try to grow outside of our sort of organic and um, physical reach, I suppose. 
Can I just add, add yeah. something to that? Because what we've been talking about is B2C, business to consumer, in a sense. Yeah. But if you're B2B, and I think one thing people forget is that you know, if you want to contact the marketing director of XYZ company, one of the things you can do, I mean, you can find the name. That's usually not difficult. And you can work out the email address by looking at the company's protocol, you know, first name, dot, last name, whatever. Mm. But if you contact them that way, it's a cold call. Yeah. Even disregarding that, it's a cold call, and cold mm. calls are hard work and tend not, tend not to be successful. But mm. if you look on LinkedIn, you can see if perhaps one of your connections knows them. Yes. And ask for an introduction. And I'm always shocked at how few people do that. I mean, you don't say, I demand... You know that you, but would you would you mind introducing me? And they can say it's not appropriate, or yeah, with pleasure. Uh, and that a, turns a cold call into a warm call. Exactly, it's a much warmer way of doing it than just yeah. coldly introducing yourself. Yeah. It, yeah. If you're talking particularly for LinkedIn, I actually really dislike it when someone connects with me, and I might sort of go, "Okay, I'll add them," and then within five minutes, I've got an email. Uh -huh. um, but okay, but you I, know I'm, what? I'm, yeah, I'm very quickly turned away from them when they when they just sell to me straight away, rather than engaging in my posts and you know. And showing me what they're about. Well, this is a really good example of bringing the offline and the online networking together, right? You say you use the online networking platform of LinkedIn, mm -hmm. um, but you're using an offline connection of your personal connections. Um, how you know, do you think this is really an essential mix? Then I guess we're oh, saying, yes. Do you? oh yes, oh I do. I think offline and online go together, and I think it's not just LinkedIn. It's all sorts of. I mean, I work often with business schools and many alumni. Um, officers will say it's quite shocking how few times, how rarely alumni actually use the network. You know, mm. we've both been at XYZ school. We must have something in common. Would you mind, could you give me some advice or could you introduce me to, you know, and people don't use those very obvious free tools. And that's the premise for Leap Networking, your um, we, we always want to be both online and offline. I mean, we have national and some international members, so a lot of people will only ever engage with other members on an yeah. online basis. But then we, we try and have you know several meetups a year, which people do travel quite far for, um, so that people can get that face-to-face -face interaction. And just going rewinding slightly um, with the, the Twitter and the LinkedIn, both of those actually offer in-person networking events. Um, there's something called, I think it's the Link Up, where um, LinkedIn members go and they network in an actual physical there's a one in my local area in Ealing it's run in they run in a local pub and it's run by a, a LinkedIn consultant and Twitter runs tweet ups up and down the country we've got one um which is the, explain yeah. what a tweet up is <laughs> <laughs> it sounds very very geeky but um so I'll give you an example that we have in an Ealing we have Ealing Hour which is um a um a Twitter chat an hourly an hour a week where people use this hashtag Ealing Hour they have them all around the country and they have them for certain um, business sectors as well like when I I, I join is early years hours because that's very relevant to my audience um and um so these tweet ups people in the, so let's just focus on a local business community for this example they they will sort of say their news, but they'll also chat and get to know each other on Twitter and, you know, and it will increase their sort of local engagement amongst other business owners. But then once a month or every other month, there's an actual physical networking event called a tweet up that's run by a local PR consultant. 
And it's great for local businesses because a local business will choose to host it and everyone there is tweeting that they're at this event, at this amazing venue, and it sort of helps build their, their profile locally as well. Well, we've, we've heard a lot about the importance of making connections and networking both online and offline, Judith, but what, what if you don't have time to, to attend the events physically? Is there any tech that can help or can the online world help have a presence even if you just can't get out of the office? Well, I, I would give two, two answers. One is if it's important, you'll make time. If you think it's important, you'll make time. And most people underestimate the importance of networking. They absolutely do. I, there's data to show. Um, and as I was jokingly saying, if, if there's a dinner conference, you'll go to it. You wouldn't say, oh, no, I've got to I've got to do my accounts this morning. You go to what matters. So it's partly a question of prioritising. But, I mean, technology obviously helps. It, make, it makes – I don't think it's a substitute. I think it's an addition. So I don't think you can say, well, if I can't – if I haven't got time to be there in person, I can – do stuff online. I think the two have to be integrated and you have to do both. So it's about your future planning, I think, as well, because you might be ticking along quite nicely and have a lot of work at the moment, but you don't know what's going to happen right. next right. month or a few months down the line. And if you haven't got, if you haven't kept up engagements with, you know, a community of business owners, then you're, you're suddenly going to find yourself kind of high and dry. Whereas if you keep that regular network, you keep, you know, your brand out there and keep your connections up, then you're going to be in a much better, better situation should that happen to, to you know, to find new work. So you've decided that you're going to make time, you're going to go there or you're going to do this sort of tweet up or online networking event. Um, How do you make a good impression and a lasting impression? Because obviously, Judith, the worst thing is to, as you say, for somebody to be looking over your shoulder, looking for the person that's more interesting than you. How do you be that interesting person that people will remember and want to engage with? And I would say you mentioned it earlier, Felicity, about being interested. Mm. Everyone focuses on being interesting and yes, that's of course it's important. But what we forget is actually what most people want to do is talk about themselves. And if you ask them questions about themselves, they will sort it, it's a good way of making sure they like you. Yes. My grandmother used to say you have one mouth and two ears. Yes. Use them in that proportion. In that proportion. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Um Rupert, how about yes. you? Making a good impression, any any tools or tips? Yeah, I think um I think listening, and I've always been amazed when I go into a networking event and I ask a question and the person just talks for like five minutes (laughs) and you're just like standing there going, I didn't actually ask that. And, you know, and it's amazing how, yeah, people can, and it probably is nerves that people get into a bubble and they just go on autopilot. So I think it's about, um, yeah, just um, embracing that you're outside of your comfort zone and just just accepting that everyone else is as well. But for me, it's... um, it's following uh, following up. I'm always very impressed when people follow up on what they say they will do as well. You know, it says, "Oh, I'll introduce you to this person." I go, "Yeah, sure you will," and then and then lo and behold, they do. And it's, it's a, I try and do that. I'm terrible at it because I'm busy and they end up with lots of business cards in the in your and you're like, "Well, I don't know where these came from. I don't remember this person." But I, I'm always impressed by people who do what they say they're going to do. And I think if I would I would teach that to, if I could teach that to myself. I would do it because, you know, um, it's impressive. 
and you, you 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 portray yourself as an impressive person if you're always doing what you say. And also, it's it's a fr- it's a friendly thing to do. It's giving it's, it's giving more than you you receive. And if if there is a business opportunity to work together in the future, you know that that person is reliable potentially. Yeah, absolutely. More so than everybody yeah, yeah. else. It's when you're already in business with someone and they hand you one every time they see you as well. It's like I just emailed you, so I don't need this. So remember the person <laughs> you've met before. Yeah, exactly. Like try and make an effort to remember the um, person. Is it worth scribbling down? Like if that you know if there's a conversation that you've had that made you want to swap business cards I mean sometimes it's just a yes I just want to stop talking to you now so let's swap business cards and then we've done our business Um, but if you meet somebody and they say oh you know we've got this great idea for a gin flavor or Mm. cocktail and you want to remember that do you ever make notes on the business card and then follow up yeah, absolutely. But I think it's, I think we touched on it earlier on where you don't want that immediate sell in the first email you get. I think it's just, it was great, you know, just making a point of contact that's just friendly and soft and, and then and then following up with something perhaps that you've got in mind rather than just brain dumping on someone a proposal and scaring them off. You know, is that you need to build up that familiarity with people, whether it's buying a product or going into partnership or doing some work with someone. It's a slow process and I think it's, uh, you know, that's humans for you. I think you've just got to be a bit more um, empathetic and em- more empathy about how they, how other people want to be approached and what they want to hear about from you as well. Yeah, I mean, networking should always be about building relationships and not, not creating instant sales. And I think if you go into it with a, the long-term game rather than the short-term game, then you, you're going to just be much more successful at it. Uh, Judith, once you've sort of built this amazing network, you know, you've got all these wonderful contacts. Um, what about follow-up comms? Can you know? Is it how how do you manage that? And how best is there a should you get in touch with people every so often, or is it okay just to let things happen organically and and let the dust gather? Shall we say you can tailor the sort of ways you follow up to the person. So sometimes it can be very specific talking about your gin or your social network or whatever it may be. And other times it can be much more general. So it's a matter of working out what works for whom. Sometimes an actual physical letter or a postcard can be very impressive because nobody bothers to write anymore. So actually getting something tangible can be very powerful. On the other hand, it's expensive. Um, I mean, not for one person, but if you want to send something to, you know, 500 of your clients, it gets rather costly in terms of postage, printing. But an email at least allows you to speak to lots of people. So I think it's a matter of horses for courses and of varying the ways you stay in touch. Sometimes it'll be specific. Sometimes it'll be very general. Key, I think, is either if it's personal, obviously it's got to be, there's got to be some real content. But the other thing I think that's important is not to be constantly talking about yourself to be giving them something, a good story. Um, I do a newsletter which has lapsed slightly recently but needs to be revived where I give networking tips and hints and bits of research and things I find that are interesting rather than tell people what I'm doing because that's interesting to me but it's not that interesting to them. So for somebody who hates networking, I'm going to ask you all this to finish up. Um, We'll start with you, Judith. Somebody who hates networking... What would be the, but they know they have to do it, what would be the first step? So I suppose the first step would be realising you are going to get it wrong. But if you don't get it wrong, you'll never get it right. So have a go. Go out there, get practice. Realise that giving is better than getting. Mm. Um, Be interested as well as interesting. Mm 
that's enough for my first steps. <laughs> I, I would just add to that that not every networking event will be right for you. No. Some some will be much more productive than others. And I don't necessarily just mean in a sales point of view. I mean mm. where you're comfortable, um, the format of it. Some networking events are a long talk. And if it's not a subject that interests you, you may well feel and you probably have wasted an hour of your precious time. But others um, have a sort of a format that will be more constructive for your business and for you as a person because you know some can be very formal you can get very formal networking events you get networking events where they have blockouts if you're a certain industry and they already have someone there they don't allow competitors others are much more collaborative which is my personal preference is even you know your competitors can be great collaborators they can be you know future people to refer work to you so don't go into networking meetings sort of afraid of competitors and and absolutely try different events go to lots of different ones and then work out which ones suit you best and and concentrate on those because everyone has a limited amount of time and just to add to that be willing to waste time sometimes you have Mm. to waste time that's the only way you're going to find what's right for you yeah and and i think that's also exactly relevant for online as well there will be certain you know social media community groups that are a complete waste of time but you have to join them and, and engage in them first and if it doesn't work for you then declutter that out of your life and, and no <laughs> cut and paste introductions that are impersonal and irrelevant yes you see you see a lot of businesses just posting the same message over multiple groups and actually Facebook hates that and you can actually get blocked from doing that from posting so not a good idea interesting Rupert I would to say you don't need to go into a room blind. You know, there's always an attendee attendance list to these things and you can always ask the organiser for that in advance and, and scroll through and you've got the tools like uh, LinkedIn to find out exactly what these people do. And then when you're there, you're primed and ready for the conversation you're going to have with that person. But also you can sort of ask the organiser, where are these people and who are they? And, mm, you know, make it make it your own, own the event, you know, make it make it work for you. You don't have to go in there and start, you know, reading name badges over people's shoulders. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, listen, I mean, you guys have been absolutely brilliant today um, and you've made a very good impression on me, <laughs> I have to confirm. Um, I think the key takeaways for me... Really, there's one resonating theme through the conversation, both online and offline. It's authenticity. Remember that you're speaking to a human being. And I think that works in physical space and in the virtual space. If you remember, it's a human interaction. Be interested, be interesting, and practice makes perfect. I love it. That's uh, it's such good advice. So just get out there, put your best foot forward and uh, give it a go. Thanks to the great company we've had in the studio today, I feel networked up to the eyeballs. Um, Rupert Holloway, Felicity Sanford and Judith Pearl, thank you so much for joining us in the studio today and sharing your pearls of wisdom um, and your expertise. It was really much appreciated. Um, If you enjoyed the episode, please do give us a shout out on Twitter. Tag us in on at BT Business and let us know what you found most useful. That's all from me, Kate Russell, in good company. insights, help and advice on staying connected in business, head to bt.com forward slash stay connected. And don't forget to check out our other podcasts in this series of In Good Company. Goodbye. Goodbye.